0: Welcome to another brand new episode of Take a Shelfie, the podcast about beer and bottle shops, the beer you get at bottle shops. I'm Jeff Martin, and with me as always is a man who is mourning the loss of his favorite pint
1: glass, Matt Prince. Oh, Jeff, you know, it's funny, uh, tomorrow I'm leaving for vacation, and I'm I'm that person who brings a pint glass with them, because I like drinking the beer I bring out of one of my glasses, and uh, I decided to bring... Um, A glass I don't use that much. Um, It's my Lagunitas Mason Jar glass. Um, I'm going to the mountains, the Poconos, so I figured that that's kind of like a fitting glass for this trip. But I purposefully didn't pack one that I use all the time. And right before we started recording, and you heard this over our our house party, um, the glass, my my favorite glass, my Pinocchio's 10th anniversary glass, um, I knocked it off of my bar. It bounced like, I felt like, I was the Sixers watching Kawhi Leonard's shot. It bounced like four times, and then the final time it hit the ground, it broke into hundreds of pieces. So I, I'm, I'm mourning the loss of that glass. I'm hoping that Pinocchio's has another one laying around in the bottle shop. I will stop by there ASAP to try to get another one,
0: so we will see. It was a heartbreaking sound, Matt. Um, it was like hope, hope, hope. No hope anymore. Right. What a bummer. Exactly. Uh, th- that that happened to me once. I mean, I've broken a, a decent number of glasses in my lifetime, uh, but I had just purchased my first ever can glass. Uh, oh, I had yeah. bought it from Slack Slack Tide Brewing Company down in New Jersey, and I brought it home uh, from the shore. And I was, you know, taking all my stuff in and it was on top of a laundry hamper full of stuff. Uh, and I, as soon as I opened the back door, it just goes crashing down. And I, was, I just oh. thought, oh, my God. It was uh, a, a, a real heartbreaker. But are you drinking something to uh, mourn the loss of your Pinocchio's glass?
1: You know, I'm not drinking anything yet because I'm hoping, I think, we're doing another style episode. Am I correct? Yes. So... Yeah, so we we've now had two episodes around
0: with, with guests, and that has been really exciting. It is now the weekend after July fourth, and so it's a little, little quiet. People are on vacation. It's hard to get in touch with people. So we are going to rock through a style series episode um, before you head off on vacation. So let me grab the dice here, Matt,
1: and uh, wait, we'll Jeff, and find out where we are. Jeff, you know, I was thinking about something, and I. I don't love this style, but if we roll two dice, we'll never roll one. So why don't we just do one
0: style? One style. Uh, one. You're right. If we do roll two dice, I could roll a twenty-sided die on its own, and, and we would get one. But uh, I, I've been rolling two dice for the series. So, so that is style one is standard American beer, Matt, and within that is th- four subcategories. One A is American light lager. One B is American Lager, one C is Cream Ale, and one D is American Wheat Beer. So let's let's throw Lager, Light Lager, and Cream Ale into a, a bucket together and see what happens. And uh, maybe maybe we'll just mention American Wheat Beer on the day that we finally get to, uh, you know, some other sort of Wheat Beer. Right. Okay. Sounds good to me. Let's give a little history while you look in your fridge for a Lager. I'll I'll give the listeners a little history on these. The American Lager, which is one B. Although German immigrants had brewed traditional Pilsner-inspired lager beers in the United States since the mid to late 1800s, the modern American lager style was heavily influenced by Prohibition in World War II. Surviving breweries consolidated expanded distribution and heavily promoted beer style that was appealing to a broad range of the population. So European lagers, quote-unquote, were made with Pilsner. And then American lagers are made generally with Turo. And then you've got American light lager. Uh, Coors originally made a light lager in the 1940s. Modern versions were first produced by Rheingold in 1967 to appeal to diet conscious drinkers. Uh, Sarah from last week would be pretty mad about that. (laughs) But only became popular starting in 1973 after Miller acquired the recipe and marketed the beer heavily to sports fans with the Taste Great Less Filling campaign. Ah, yeah. Yeah, we all remember that. And then uh, the American cream ale is a sparkling or present-use ale that exists in the 1800s, survived Prohibition. And it's basically just an ale version of the American lager. Uh, lagers are fermented cold with certain yeasts. Uh, ales are fermented warm with certain yeast. And so a cream ale is essentially a warm fermented lager, a lot of the same characteristics. Okay. What is the thing that comes to your mind, Matt, when you think of the American lager?
1: Um, honestly, the thing that comes to my mind the most is college. Um, you know, the, the amount of American light lagers I drank in college, um, Wizard Staff with Coors Light Pounders. Uh, for those of you who thumb your nose at drinking games, uh, Wizard Staff is when you drink as many light beers <laughs> as you can and you uh connect. The cans together with duct tape until your staff is taller than yourself, and when you do get to that point you uh you can cast spells on people, make them do stuff. I also think of that marketing campaign when we were kids, Jeff, where someone would drink a beer and their face would shrivel up and get all distorted, and they'd say, oh, bitter beer face." <laughs> Yeah, which is funny because that's like an IPA, which is like the most popular yeah. beer there, the style beer there is. So that's what they were referring to. And they were trying to get people to stay away from these bitter beers and drink something that, you know, had no flavor. So that, that's really what I think of. How about you, Jeff?
0: Yeah, it, it really makes me think of uh, bar specials, right? Uh, right? And being in a, a dark club. Uh, or a dark bar at college time, and or, or now a sports bar. And what, what's on special? Well, it's, you know, Coors, Miller, Bud, something is on special. It also makes me think of the All-American badge on Untapped, which I chased after for a long time. It doesn't tell you what it is you're supposed to drink, uh, but you're supposed to drink the, the light and the quote-unquote heavy version of the, the big three. Uh, And I just could I could never figure out what it was because it wasn't Coors Banquet. It was Coors Original that you were supposed to drink. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that the one with the little stubby? Yes. Little stubby bottle. Yeah. And so it took me a while to earn that or earn that one because, you know, I, I used to drink a decent amount of Miller Lite. My dad drinks Coors Lite. It's easy to find the, you know, standard versions of those. But it took me forever to find... Core's original. I found it at you know a a, a wing restaurant uh, one day. It was on it was on special for two dollars. Perfect. And so for two dollars, I yeah for two dollars I closed out the uh, I closed out the badge. But let's talk about cream because you know the American lager, and the American light lager, w- will get there, and it you know certainly has its place in history and time. And but the let's not forget the cream What cream sort of come to your mind as as being true because there's one that really jumped to the forefront of my mind and it is neshaminy creek's kreuden cream ale oh yeah it was maybe the first time i had heard of a craft cream ale um you know genesee cream oh of course you know some something different but Croydon cream ale, I, you know, I had not heard of someone making a a craft cream ale and all of a sudden the Chamonix, I'm somewhere and they have it. I'm like, oh, let me
1: try this. And I realized what that style could be. Yeah. You know, I, uh, when I was in college, I went to Susquehanna University, which is uh, Snyder County in the middle of Pennsylvania. Uh, There's a brewery there called um, Sealand's Grove Brew Pub and they, uh, they make a cream ale that, everyone loved and I you know everyone would would order it when they went there and this is before really like I want to say it's before IPAs got really popular I'm sure that they were already gaining some traction when I was in college but other styles kind of reigned supreme cream ale wasn't a reign supreme style but there weren't so many drinkers who were so focused on one style so this brewery really you know pumped out a lot of cream ale and it was always so delicious and smooth and it didn't have any extreme flavors one way or the other to the point where you could just drink it and it, would, it just went down perfectly. So that was the first cream ale that, that I really came into contact with. And uh, I'm glad you brought up Genesee because everyone knows Genesee cream ale. I don't know if you know this, Jeff, but pretty recently, like probably within the last year, Genesee collaborated with Other Half on like a Imperial Hazy cream ale. Which I think is no way, yeah. Which is really cool uh, that they did that. Um, you know, Genesee is a beer that people like us see, and they think of like their dads or their granddads, and um, or the uh, the older guy who lives across the street and brings him a case every week of cans. But uh, you know, it, it has its place in the hi- in the history of American beer. So I think it's definitely. It was nice to see, you know, uh, a name that we associate with the past of beer and a name that is definitely associated with the now and the future of beer coming together to create something. I thought that was pretty cool. What did you grab from your fridge there, Matt? You know, it's not, not planning on suggesting that we do American light lagers because I'm not the kind of person who usually drinks American light lagers, but uh, I guess like a week ago, uh, probably a little over a week ago, I went to Pinocchio's, I went to the bottle shop and I'm always looking for breweries that, aren't normally distributing cans and one that has started to distribute cans is grim and grim makes a beer simply called light. And I was so psyched because, you know, it's one thing to drink a Coors light, a bud light, a Miller light. It's another thing to see a craft beer maker who, who is going to treat every beer. I would think the same, you know, same attention to detail. They're working on a much smaller scale than these macro, um, breweries, you know, pumping out you know so much beer across the country, across the world. Um I I wanted to see what an American light lager tasted when a lot of attention to detail was given to it. So that I'm gonna crack it open right now and I'm really excited, scared. Um I don't know. We'll see what this tastes like. So you know it smells like an American light lager, but it doesn't have that kind of skunky taste that some do. You know it smells like an American Light Lager. It's gonna, I would assume, yep, poor gold and frothy. And I'm kind of letting the foam, I'm kind of letting it be a little foamy because, you know, American Light Lager, you expect a lot of foam. I wanna make sure that it gives the right amount. It looks the part. Yeah, too.
0: I mean, Amer- an American Light Lager, um, could be associated with with a bad pour, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's so, the big the big ones are, are pumped out, you know, at at bars. And so if it's not the the cleanest pour of all time, I, I think that's okay when you're drinking a, a light lager. Do you taste any uh, of the of the adjuncts? Do you know if they use any of the adjuncts in there, Matt, rice or corn, um, in the making of this light lager?
1: You know, I I I. Don't. But what I am going to do is I'm going to give it a look on untapped. You know, we talked about untapped last episode, but not only can you look at ratings, but you can um, find out a little bit. Sometimes they put the beer description on there. So we'll see. And they, they call this grim light, not just light. It's grim light. So it's like Bud Light. You know, they market it that way. They they don't actually have a description here. Let's see what their social media says. Cause I'll tell you what's obnoxious. It's those commercials
0: that were around the Super Bowl time last year when Bud Light was sending quote unquote corn syrup to Miller Light saying, Oh, this this must have been for you because we don't use corn syrup in our in our beer. Uh and that's just it's a ridiculous proposition because they're trying to sell you on the idea that Miller Lite has high fructose corn syrup in it, um, which you know we all know is not super great for you. But it's it's corn sugar. It's it's dextrose. It's it's what they use to boost the alcohol percentage in the beer without adding much body, which is why it's able to be so light. And Bush uses rice, um, while. I'm guessing Coors and I'm guessing Miller use corn. A lot of brewers use corn. You can go and get corn sugar from your local homebrew store to add to your own beer. If you want to boost the alcohol, because it's very fermentable, but it doesn't give a lot of body. Right. Um, so it's, it, it's a little obnoxious.
1: So does it say they're on untapped whether Grimm uses either? It doesn't, but this is, I'll, I'll read the description that they gave on their Instagram. Cause I find it very interesting. So, um, Since less is sometimes better, we are proud to finally reveal Grim Light. This recession special light lager is brewed with all the care and perfectionism we bring to our pilsners, but with 100% American ingredients and less of everything. Less malt, less hops, less body. Because this delicate beer is perfect for drinking in vast quantities while enjoying classic boomer summer activities like tubing, mowing the lawn, or grilling meats, we are, for the first time, offering a beer in a 12-ounce six-pack format. 4.2% ABV, $11.99 for 12-ounce cans in six-pack form. So, still $12 for a six-pack of light lager, which is steep. Um... But it's a smaller brewery, so you know they have to, you know, ask for more. They can't, they can't, they can't afford to ship a bunch of this out at the same price as you know one of the big, like uh, American like beer conglomerates.
0: I mean, if you're going to support somebody with it, you might as well support a small brewery who's making something. While we're talking about smaller breweries and the lager style, I can't help but think of Kenwood Original. They are brewed out of Doylestown and they only make the one beer and it's you know it's an american style light lager um they just decided they wanted to make a craft version of something they grew up drinking it too is 4.2% uh and the reason i think of that is because the street at the top of my street is is kenwood and it's i they grew up here near me and they named it after the street they grew up on, and it's it's just really cool that there's a a, a hyper, hyper, hyper local
1: to the point where they don't even have their own brewing facility, Light locker, Right, and it, it's funny, I've recently started following them on Instagram, and they have quite the social media presence. Like, for a brewery that's super, you know, hyper local and super small and only brewing one beer... They really get out there and promote that one beer. Uh, I think that's kind of the spirit of the American Light Lager. Like you look at the bigger companies and they, I mean, how many Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light commercials do you see? I mean, especially when you' we are watching sports, you see so many and they're all sponsors of so many teams. Uh, it's like in that spirit, they're pumping out um, as much as they can about their own Light Lager. Um, you know, light lager is the kind of beer that you fill your cooler with. You know, if you are going down, I we had that episode about um, situational beers and like tailgating. Like a light lager has its place. You know, not just not just as your dad or your granddad's beer, but it has a place now. Um, I know, you know, I used in, in a former life and maybe still now. I like playing you know the occasional game of pong. You know, I'd fill my pong cups with grim light. You know, like and occasionally after one of those activities, those summer activities where you're sweating, we talk about you grab a Pilsner. If this is in the fridge, I think it also gets the job done. You know, it really does. Now, Jeff, I, you know, I know we're I, this kind of, this is kind of jumping around and I apologize, but I really would be remiss if we did not mention a cream ale that you and I have just had. Iliado. Iliado from Attic Brewing in Germantown, which is a neighborhood in Philadelphia. Um, that was my first beer on Fourth of July, Uh and it was delicious. I hadn't had a cream ale in a long time. I haven't had a Croydon in a while. I haven't really had any cream ale, and you—it's one of those styles you almost forget exists, and then you have one, you are like, man, I wish there were more cream Ale. Like, it was good. Attic
0: is really doing. Uh, Attic is really doing a terrific job. Um, they opened just a couple weeks before the pandemic hit and so they really haven't had a lot of opportunity to have people at their space to try their beer because they don't really distribute per se but the way they've made up for that is they have decided to choose counties like certain zip codes and deliver to those zip codes for free on certain days of the week so delivery to delaware county which is where you and i both live is on wednesdays and you get free delivery so Uh, A couple times I've gone on to their website and I've ordered some of their uh, some of their beers and it's it's been to me the next day and it's been terrific. And I was brought to them by uh, listener Pat Boyle, uh, who said that knowing how much I love Pilsner's, that their uh, G-Town Strutter Pilsner was terrific. And it is. And it hasn't been available in a little little while. They were just. Uh, it's in the fermenter now the owner told me when he delivered the beer to me last time but uh the Iliado is certainly a great replacement for that because it is it is really refreshing and it just it's got a nice uh, smoothness to it instead of the bite uh, which you get from the
1: Pilsner but it's super light drinking and super delicious I'm really ex- I'm really glad we did this uh, s- style that we did one because you know, while talking about it, you know, we we talk to people about what's the beer that got them into craft beer. But you know what? Another interesting question is, what's the beer that got you into beer? And I think a lot of people would say a light lager because that's really what's available to you first. Um, whether it's because you are the first time drinking beer is you're in high school and whoever's having the party, you know got their older sibling to get them a couple cases of light lager or whether it's when you're in college and the keg is natty or, you know, or whatever, you know, I it's, it's pretty incredible that like the first beer you really drink a lot of is a light lager. And I mean, we could go on and on about like nat- natty bow or like PBR, which we would be, you know, foolish to not mention in this episode. You know, I've had tons of PBR when I would, In my middle, in my mid-20s, when I would have parties at my apartment, uh, the first apartment I ever had, we would get cases of PBR. Uh, I would drink good beer on the side. But, you know, for games, PBR was the best, in my mind, that I could get.
0: Yeah, PBR has an interesting roller coaster of reputation in that, you know, sometimes it's, it's a junk beer and sometimes it's a hipster, uh, you know, fancy beer that isn't great, but hi- you know, hipsters say it is. And then sometimes people just consider it to be a really good beer. Uh, for me right now, it's in a moment where it's just considered a good beer. Yeah. I mean, I, like I
1: yeah, I do too. I mean, if I'm, if, if I'm at the store and I am buying a light lager, and I'm buying a lot of it. It's going to be PBR. That's my number one. That's my go-to. Um, you know, this Grim Light is is tasty, but I, we don't have cases of Grim Light being shipped to Pennsylvania. So, you know, PBR, Natty Bow, which I'm pretty sure are the same beer. I'm pretty sure they're beer they're brewed at the same spot. Like they're they're very very oh, little. Really? yeah. There's a very little difference between those two beers, um, but it's more of a regional thing. Like if you go to Baltimore, you're going to get Natty Bow. Like that's, that's their beer down there. So old style in Chicago. Yeah. Old style, which if you've watched shameless, like you, you've seen every episode pretty much has old style. You know, when I went to Chicago because I had watched shameless, I could not wait to drink an old style. And I had plenty of old style while I was in Chicago, you know? I was like, I want to go to Revolution, I want to go to Half Acre, and I want to have an old style. Like that was my beer list when I went to Chicago. So, I mean, there you don't even realize it when you hear light lager, you're like lager. You are like, gross, but like, there are some that really define our experiences with beer early on in our relationship with beer. And, um, I, I don't, Absolutely. Think, I don't think I'd be the beer drinker I am today without those light lagers. So thank you. Light logger.
0: Let, let's shout a couple more out before, before we outro here. Um, I, I want to shout out Pony Boy from, uh, 2SP. That's their light lager. It's really fresh and tasty and delicious. Single cut made one called 37th street, uh, new world lager, at least on untapped. It's, uh, classified as an American light. Uh, I, I thought that beer was terrific. PBR, we said, I even have had a light lager from Canada. Amsterdam huh. Brewing Company made a, makes a beer called Three Speed. Uh, and I had a friend from Canada come down uh, one holiday season with a whole bunch of extraordinarily weird beer. Um, and we got to try some of it. And, and that was really exciting. So yeah, so thank you, light lager, for getting us into beer thank you for being there when it's warm uh thank you for being there when we need something inexpensive to drink um and we need something that's not gonna ruin our day and just uh something that everyone get on board with and thank you matt for taking some time before you go off on vacation to pod with me thank you to the listeners for joining us for another episode you can follow Take a Shelfie on Instagram at Shelfie Podcast. You can join us on the internet at ShelfiePodcast.com. That's where we post our episodes. And we also post some beer reviews. And on each of those, there are comment sections where you can uh, debate with us. We love engaging in a healthy debate. You can subscribe to Take a Shelfie wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're doing that, please leave us a nice review. It really, really, really does help with um, the promotion of the podcast. So until the next episode, Matt, enjoy your vacation. Until next time, I'm Jeff Martin. And I'm Matt Prince. Cheers.